Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 232. So as you know, the Elite Amateur Golf Series was announced yesterday at the Golf Coaches Convention in Las Vegas and wanted to make sure we got some additional information from one of the key players, Andy Priest, who is the executive director of the Southern Golf Association. So we're going to jump into this episode really quickly. Thank you to Andy for his time. This was recorded basically two hours after it was announced into an entire ballroom of college golf coaches. So really glad we were able to get this done. A lot of people have been asking, where do I find information on the Elite Amateur Golf Series? Go to their website, EliteAmateurGolfSeries.org. You can read everything. We got into some topics that uh, I'm sure we'll address later on down the road as well. But uh, they do have an Instagram page, so go ahead and follow that. Remember to follow the back of the range on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Let's get right into it. Andy, thanks so much for the time. Welcome to the back of the range. How are you? Great, Dan. How are you doing? I'm getting through the day. I thought I kind of had, uh, you know, I thought I had the best hand being here in South Florida in December, but, uh, you know, this is a very special episode. I really appreciate you making time. We're literally an hour, I think, after you uh, unveiled the details of the Elite Amateur Golf Series. And I thought it was a little strange that you did it at a Golf Coaches Association of America convention because these are all summer amateur tournaments. But then I realized that convention is in Las Vegas, Nevada. So who's better than you right now? You're not. You're, you're pretty <laughs> smart. You know what the hell you're doing. <laughs> well, you know, uh, Vegas is uh, speaks for itself. And, and believe it or not, it's actually a cloudy day in Las Vegas and a little chilly. So oh it's, uh, it's, a, it's a little unusual, but um, it's... Honestly, we we have been you know working on this for almost two years, and when we when we every time we kind of got it to a point where we felt like we we're ready to take it public, we would start looking at what was the best opportunity to do it. And then as we kind of kept going forward, something would trip up that that game plan, whether it was something on our end, whether something didn't work out with with a, maybe an event that we were trying to tie in with to, to, to make that presentation. Um, and oh, by so the way, COVID, I, not to throw a wrench in your plans also. True. Oh yeah. It's COVID obviously has a, you know, makes it's, uh, makes it's uh, self known oh, <laughs> in yeah. anything we do nowadays. So yeah, I mean, COVID certainly, um, uh, you know, had a, had a little bit of a role in that, but, um, as we kind of got toward the end of the summer and, and into uh, late August, first of September, we started looking at the horizon of, all right, well, what's what's a potential opportunity to, you know, get in front of a, a an audience that this this message would would resonate with. And uh, that's when we realized the golf coaches convention was. Yeah still on in December. So we reached out to Greg Grost at the GCAA. And honestly, before I could even 
asked the question, Greg said, "Why don't you guys come out to Las Vegas?" <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so it it was it was synergy from from day one about the about coming to Las Vegas and you know the GCA has been been uh, phenomenally hospitable to to us and our group. We have six of the seven organizations here. Uh, in person um, and we had a meeting last night we had to do a little virtual for a couple couple members that couldn't be here so uh, but yeah it's been it's been a exciting day it's been a lot of work and and excited to share you know a little more detail with with you and your listeners yeah and I'm hearing ups unsubstantiated reports that some college golf coaches are trading team apparel for free tickets to steak and lobster buffet dinners is there any truth to that I mean you're on the ground <laughs> have you seen any of that either no I, I have not. If any of my colleagues are getting that, then they need to share the love. Okay. But I, All right. I, uh, no, nothing yet um, uh, on that on that front. And believe it or not, you know, all the coaches, they're all dressed up in blazers. And I they're saw not, that. I, I mean, you, 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 you don't recognize. I mean, I saw Ryan Hibble from, from Oklahoma from a distance. Without his hat and sunglasses on, I didn't know who he was. Does he look so, good wearing that sweater vest over like a regular suit and tie? That's He's, he's probably doing that, though, right? That's absolutely. They, they, you know, the brand comes out a little bit here and there, but, but believe it or not, most of them are, you you have no idea if they're, you know, college golf coach or, or selling insurance. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I I need to make it there next year to see this in person. Um, (laughs) So before we get into the elite amateur series, uh, listeners may not be familiar with your career in the game of golf. They may be thinking, okay, well, uh, let's get some background on the guy that's one of the key players uh, that that put this elite amateur series together. You are, shall we say, at least a twenty-year veteran of being uh, working in the in the, um, I guess, golf association industry. I wouldn't want to put you just in the golf industry because there's so many different areas of uh, of that. So, international junior golf tour, then moving on to Carolina Golf Association. Now you're the executive director since uh, I believe 2015 of the Alabama Golf Association and then the executive director of the Southern Golf Association. Anything I missed or does that pretty much cover cover kind of the quick journey of your time in the game? That's uh, you must have had to dig deep on the internet to find all that. Um, uh, yeah, that's exactly right. I actually I started out um, I was not I was not a golfer. I was a college baseball player went to went to Campbell University. Uh, in North Carolina, and um, I was a graduate assistant in the athletic department and doing operations. And but I always loved golf. And Keith Hills is our golf course there at Campbell, and and got to my second year, second semester, and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. You know, I was loved college sports, but also loved golf and I loved operations. So I went to coach John Crooks at Campbell, who's a legend, and. And to say, coach, you know, any way to marry these things together and opportunities out there? And he said, he handed me a a job posting for an internship with the Carolinas Golf Association. Done. And and I applied and spent four months in Pinehurst working for the CGA. And and the rest is history, as you said, with an IJGT and then got hired back at the Carolinas full time and worked there another 16 years before getting the opportunity to to go to Alabama to lead to lead the AGA and then also two years later in twenty seventeen to uh assume the executive director role of the Southern. Well, that's a full plate. So um obviously we we will get into your roles uh with the Southern Golf Association, the Alabama Golf Association perhaps at another time, but 
I think people listening are, are saying, "Hey, uh, get 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 to the get to the main course here. Let's get to the entree." <laughs> so, Elite Amateur Golf Series. I started hearing whispers of this earlier this year. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of started understanding what I thought was going to be happening, what the purpose was. You know, basically creating some sort of a points chase that would include the, the the major or some of the major amateur tournaments throughout the summer, and then some sort of a uh, whether it's exemptions or um, you know into tournaments, uh, you know some sort of a thing at the end for the top achievers, obviously. Why don't you just give me the the real quick um, mm-hmm. just kind of layout of what it is in your own words? I mean, uh, you're 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 on that side of it. So for someone that says, "Hey, what's this thing all about?" in a in a macro, what what do you uh, what what is the Elite Amateur Golf Series? I think the simplest way that most people understand is it's the FedEx cup for elite amateur men's golf. Okay. It's, it's that simple. We've got a, a summer long seven event series where, you know, we're going to use Wagger, the world amateur golf ranking as the, as the point system. And I mean, it's pretty simple. Uh, you know, you're, you're going to tee it up in these championships you play well, you're going to earn more points, and whoever's got the most points at the end of the series is going to be the winner and be afforded some some uh, opportunities beyond what they're normally used to getting to play in. So we're we're running down this, the the power seven, so to speak. We're starting with the Sunny Hannah in in middle of June, uh, Northeast Amateur at the end of June, then the North South at Pinehurst. Uh, that's you know June to July second. Transmiss in Denver, Southern Amateur at uh, at Sea Island, and then mm-hmm. Pack Coast out in Portland, and then finally the the Western Amateur, which will be at uh, which will be obviously in Illinois. So those are the Power Seven that will be making up that uh, that points chase. So obviously we know what this is going to bring. It's going to bring exemptions. The top five are going to be exempt into the U.S. Amateur. Those mm-hmm. top five are going to get an exemption into sectional qualifying for the 23 U.S. Open. Correct. So we know what the high achievers get. When you were pulling the different players together, whether it's people at the at the Transmiss, people at the Northeast, when you're kind of forming it, what was kind of the primary goal and objective of it from just a high level? Instead of just like, okay, the top five get this, but what is the primary objective of it? Yeah, Ben, that's a great question. And – Honestly, the the infancy of this series was really just to be a collaboration between elite amateur organizations and events to just work better together. Okay. That was really how all this started. And th- these conversations go back years. Right. And But they started formalizing in February of 2020 with the help of some, some uh, key players in, in the industry. Uh, and, and we started, there was a smaller group to start with, and it was actually Sonny Hanna, the Western, and Southern. So the three of us kind of were the nucleus for this with, with some support from, um, you know, so some key players, at USGA and, right. and some media. So we were able to, you know, kind of get, get the three together. And then the pandemic hit, <laughs> like yeah. – Literally, you know, a, a month before, you know, a month after we had started coalescing this group together. Uh, but we but we moved forward with it, knowing 
well, not knowing what was going to happen, obviously, with, with the pandemic and our own events that coming year, but we knew that there would be a brighter day ahead. So we, we knew that there was an opportunity to go ahead, coalesce the group, you know, look at the landscape of, all right, who, who are, what are the best amateur championships in the country outside the USGA events played in the summer? And, you, you know, you can look at, you know, the Wagger Power method and, and, you know, you can look at scratch players as well and, and right. look at their rankings. So, you know, it's pretty clear who, who those were and, and nothing, you know, we're not saying, and then we'll get into, you know, how we're want to help all, all events, but, uh, that was really how we started this, and and then we recruited the other the other four events to to join us. And you know the concept was again kind of just starting about hey how can we work together? You know, uh, not have conflicting dates, share best practices. You know, is there a way to you know pull resources together for uh, power buying? You know, stuff like that. And then as we kind of just kept going along, these ideas of, hey, well, what if we create a series and incentivize the players to play? And But we had no PGA Tour exemptions. We had no Corn Ferry exemptions. We had no USGA exemptions. This was all just us, you know, just, right. you know, throwing it against the wall almost a little bit and say, hey, well, you know, we might be able to, might be onto something here. So once we got the seven groups together, then we were able to start having those serious conversations with, with tour events and, and the USGA to say, Hey, here's what we got going on. What do you think? And, and, and obviously we, it was very well received and, you know, it's taken a lot of time to work through, you know, governance and, and nuances of, of, of several things. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, I think a lot of people in the industry see see this as, you know, a positive in many ways just to elevate the men's amateur game. But also, too, I think it shows how groups and organizations from across the country can work together and have a, achieve a common goal. And especially in these day and modern day and, and times that, you know, I think that's a good message to send that this right. is possible and and you know we're not all built the same you know the sunny hand in the northeast are run by club members they're club events right um then you got north south is run by pinehurst and then you've got the other four championships between transmiss southern pacific coast amateur and the western amateur that are run by organizations so it, it, it is a mix of you know, the, the different events, how we're made, how we're governed, how we're structured, uh, but we're all aligned behind what we're doing and what the opportunity can be for, for what we're doing here. So I, I obviously we mentioned that you had announced this at, um, at the golf coach, golf coaches uh, convention in Las Vegas, mm -hmm. and you do it in front of a room full of college golf coaches. And, I don't know if there was a Q&A afterwards or perhaps just, you know, in passing, just random discussions. You you did put in, you know, basically put on the website and I'll put links to all your content, social media links. Everything will be linked up in this in this episode in the show notes. But you did put in, in pretty bold letters. This is just the beginning. It's not the end. We're going to evolve. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very important message to set forth. Like, hey, this isn't etched in stone. This is going to be flexible. 
you know, I know it's been very, very new and recent, but have you, has something popped in your head after, after the website goes live or after things are kind of, you know, put the, put to rest and, and announced, are there things that you're like, Hmm, I think I, I think I see something that maybe we need to address maybe in a year or two. Yeah, no, Ben, you're, you're, you're exactly right. You know, we, you know, that's the best way to put it. And we firmly believe that, you know, this is new. Uh, we're, we're going to make some mistakes on this, uh, but we will, uh, evolve, uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's just the beginning. It's not the end. I mean, who knows down the road, you know, we've got seven events, but there could be expansion yeah. in the future. Um, you know, we're not saying that there will be, or there won't be. It's just, you know, that, that is still a opportunity and potential, um, you know, for the group to, to expand as, as this, you know, group, hopefully, you know, keeps, keeps growing, growing in stature, uh, as we move forward. Um, but yeah, there's been overall the, the feedback from industry leaders, from golf coaches has been overwhelmingly positive without question. They, they're like, wow, this is great. This is so cool. What your guys are doing, you know, but there are, you know, there are certainly some issues that we, we understand as, as the, as the college golf landscape is going to be dramatically changing or already has changed in many ways with nil with the transfer portal oh you heard about um, the nil you heard about that yeah yeah that's yeah <laughs> yeah that, that just yeah it just came across my phone a few minutes there ago. You go. all right well they're late never andy but no you're right that that's that i was just thinking about that it just throws a wrench in that that's going to be interesting as well that relates to, to, to the elite am series Absolutely. And just sitting in on some conversations here. Uh, yeah. I mean, nobody really knows where all that's heading right. in the future as well. But, you know, we, we just know that, um, you know, with our exemptions that we have secured, uh, especially with the corn ferry, that some of those are in what I would call, you know, not the best time of year for, for college players, kind right. of in that spring golf season. So we're, we're, we're going to do the best we can. And I, and I said this in my remarks today to the group that, you know, we, we want to be good partners in this. We want, we understand, you know, the, the last thing we want to do is put a, a all-star all American college golfer in a, in a pickle where he's got a, potentially choose between going to X event representing his school or going to taking an opportunity to go play in a professional start. So we, we recognize that and we're going to work um, over the next few months on how we can, you know, satisfy, you know, making, making the opportunities what they are for the players that, that deserve them, but also to respect the college golf season and what the importance of the spring season leading into conference, leading into regionals and the national championships. So we, we get that and we want to, you know, I just want to share that uh, with, with everybody that we uh, more to come on that, um, right. but we, we will figure out a, a, a good, a good outcome for everybody. And you mentioned, you know, it like I think it, if I'm correct, it's a three-year kind of a, a lock on these seven. So it's going to be these seven tournaments for the next three years, and and further evaluation at a later date. You know, as as you well know, there's so many great tournaments throughout the summer: championships, tournaments, invitationals, and 
they have great histories, and, and for now they're not included. If you were advising a tournament director of one of these championships that's currently on the outside looking in that says, hey, I, how do I get involved in this? What, mm-hmm. What's the best way for them to grow their championship over the next three years to the point where they're in a position to gain inclusion in the Elite Amateur Series? Yeah, it's a it's an awesome question, Ben. Uh, what you know, really, we we look at things. You know, really, there's two big criteria. One, you, you can't have a conflicting tournament date. That's that's number one. And, and you know, number in in the summer, you've got a limited number of of weeks available. You know, you go from the NCAA through the U.S. Amateur, so you're you're really you know, you may have 10 weeks in there and then not only are seven events, but you throw in the Palmer cup and you throw in state amateurs and you throw in, you know, some other things that are going on, um, qualifying for USAM or, or even the U S open, uh, sectionals. So there's, there's a lot happening. And so I'd say number one, uh, you know, if I was a tournament director, I'd look at your date potentially um number two i think you just gotta you gotta work you gotta really work hard to get players to play in your event and you know we've you know our seven events you know they're not new i mean we're there's over over 680 years of collective championship golf between our seven organizations so we've been doing this a long long time together and but at the same time, we know there's going to be events that are going to be on top of each other. And that and that's okay because there are, according to Greg Gross at the GCAA, there are over 8,500 male college golfers in this country. And, you know, the Southern Am, we can only play 156, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you just do the math. Those other 8,000-plus uh, college golfers are looking for other opportunities to play. And, and that's one thing we want to do is, is help promote the other great championships that are being played in this country. And you've got, I mean, I, I could run down a list of them, the Porter cup, the, the Monroe, the rice planters, the Palmetto amateur, the Southeastern amateur, the Southwestern amateur, you know, just to name a few that, they are great events. They may not be a part of our series, but, you know, if there's going to be some really good players that don't, unfortunately, get the opportunity to play in our tournaments. So there are some really great other options. And and not only those events, you know, the Golf Coaches Association has got their summer series that they're trying to get to get going. Uh, started it last summer and, and, you know, had plans to move full steam ahead this coming summer. So, again, there's – you know, we want to use our website and the platform that we have to help educate amateurs about what their opportunities are out there. Not yeah. not just at the national level. Don't forget about your state amateur to well, play in. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, and especially you being the executive director in Alabama. Mm-hmm. You know, as you know, a lot of the state golf associations are missing out on some of their best players because if – you know, due to Wagger, if they play in maybe a state amateur and it, and they don't perform at their best, it adversely hurts their Wagger to the point where they say, you know, it's better for me not to play in this, whether it's right or wrong. But 
you know, I know Gordon Sargent is your two-time Alabama State Amateur champion. There may mm-hmm. be, there may come a time where he has to look, and I'm just naming him just because he happens to be Alabama, and you're Alabama. This sure. is not specific to him. Just in general, there's going to be state amateur champions that next summer that are going to be looking at their schedule and saying, yeah, I need to go play in this tournament because it has more of a effect on my wagger that could help me get into this, this, or this, and, and maybe Walker Cup, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, ramifications. Has there been anything, I know that I'm throwing a lot at you, but has there been any discussion to maybe provide incentives to a state amateur champion? If you come play this and you win the state am, that gets you into a, you know, that gets you into a north south, that gets you into this. So that maybe those mid tier guys that aren't at mm-hmm. that elite level, they're like, hey, um, maybe I go play in this because if I win, I get, then I get in the mix. I get to get into these tournaments and all I need is a shot. And maybe I, you know, make a top 10 at a sunny hand and now the gates are open. Right. Exactly. No, it's, it's, it's a great question, Ben. And we, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll try and tackle, tackle, uh, tackle in different, different ways here. Um, so I, I'll start with Wagger and the, the power, and I don't want to speak for the USJ. That's that's not my job. But I, what I can say is, they are doing the best they can to take the feedback and and work with the system. They know it's not perfect. Uh, we know it's not perfect, and they've gotten a lot of feedback from all players in the game, not just players themselves, but certainly coaches, administrators, you name it. They they know, but you know. It, they're also partners with the RNA. So there's, you know, the RNA has got a big footprint across the world and this is a, the world amateur golf ranking. Yeah. Um, so they, they know that there's some, uh, some things that need to be tweaked probably in the system. Um, but to their defense they're you know, when they converted to the power method that it happened at the beginning of the pandemic. And so some things that should have be rolling out of the, uh, the system aren't there yet, but will be over time. So, you know, it, it, it will improve and they're, they're already taking measures to improve the system. So hopefully down the road, not next year, but hopefully down the road that some of those, um, you know, situations where players is looking at, do I play or not because of an event's power may not be high enough that it may drop my ranking may hopefully change into something uh, a better outcome for everybody so i'll leave that there um as far as the state amateurs go you know and i made this comment to my to my colleagues in the ally golf association community that you know just my belief that golfers they 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 almost go up a ladder you know as they become better and better and better they're going to get better opportunities and i think they graduate at some point from the level that they're at you know you you hear well you know don't move it's like we'll start at junior golf you know you may have a hot shot 11 year old that well i want to play up in the you know the 13 to 15 division well are you beating the kids in the 11 and under division first okay if you are all right well let's move you up you know so it's kind of it's kind of that philosophy is what i believe in that you know, I believe players, they get to a point where they they graduate beyond maybe the state amateur level. And 
you know, a couple of, you know, Gordon started a great example, two-time state champion, couldn't be prouder of him. Um, also, I want to give a shout-out to Nick Dunlap from Alabama, who won the U.S. Junior this year. So, you know, we, we've had a great year of showcasing um, some of our great talent that we, we have in our state. But, you know, and I haven't talked to Gordon in a while, but, you know, he, he's earned the right, in my opinion, to, you know, play what he wants to. You know, I hope he comes back and defends for a third time because, you know, he could he could set himself, uh, you know, historically separate from a lot of people by winning the state amateur three years in a row. Yeah. But if he doesn't, you know, I certainly understand that he's got a bigger, you know, bigger goals in mind and we want to support those as well. So that's just an example since you brought up Gordon. Um, I think that's a, a great example of a player that has supported and played in state championships. He's won our state junior. So is Nick Dunlap. Um, but again, we hope to keep him playing in our championships as long as we can. But I do uh, believe at a point that, you know, the opportunities come where, you know, they've got a choice to make and, you know, we can't take it in a negative way that if they decide to go to a bigger and better opportunity than playing locally or, or at a state level. Very well said. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, it's, it's a interesting way. I mean, it's just, it's tough to get navigate either way. I could easily see a kid. that's like, Hey, it's time to graduate. I have an opportunity to play here. Then there's going to be some that are like, man, like you said, it'd be really cool to win two or three or, you know, maybe they just don't like to travel as much. So there's just all sorts of different, uh, Sure. Different, um, uh, you know, variations of, of people's schedules and what their goals are. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to get you out of here. I know it's been a long day and, and, uh, and hey, you're in Vegas, man. You got to have some fun out there. Um, how, <laughs> how will fans and players and coaches and I mean, everyone, how do we how do we track the points list? Because if you're going to ask me to go decipher the Wagger uh, website, <laughs> um, we're going to just wrap this up right now because that's just, yeah. I mean, we're not, we're not doing that, Andy. Don't, don't say that. Don't do that. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be as straightforward. And, and, and Ben, you just hit on a great point that as we were developing this system, you know, Wagger was not necessarily our first choice. We were thinking, you know, we we're thinking, well, do we develop our own system and, you know, this and that, because we want it to be simple. But but after speaking with the USGA and their support of what we're doing, we believe how we can present the Wagger results um, to the public. It'll be clear where you stand. You know, you may have to layer down, you know, the event, the power, you know, how many points you got at that event. But it will be clear that you'll be able to see that Ben Adelberg played these events, got these points. Here's his total. This is how, how it worked. And you can drill down to the event level and see how, you know, Ben played into Sonny Hannah, how he compared against the rest of the field. So, you know, our goal is to make it as straightforward as possible, just a ranking, you know, one through whatever it turns out to be. Um, Players will know exactly where they stand week over week as the summer goes along. And that'll be available on our website at EliteAmateurGolfSeries.org. And uh, in our social channels, too, we'll sure. have links. 
sure. as well. Well, I was concerned there for a second that you weren't having any fun in Vegas, but you just said I was playing in the Elite Amateur Series, so clearly you've <laughs> been having some fun. Something's been uh, been, been get, you've been getting into something out there. Um, all right, so Andy, I I feel that this is a great kind of a you know thirty thousand foot view of what the Elite Amateur Golf Series is. I appreciate you taking time away from the convention in Vegas to kind of walk me and, and listeners through it. I have a feeling we'll be talking uh, quite a bit next summer and doing some follow-up. So um, for now, happy holidays, and uh, thanks for stopping by the back of the range. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate all that you do and your support of the amateur game. It, it's it's very cool what you're doing, and we, we thank you for the opportunity to, to talk with you and your listeners today. And there you have it. Special thanks to Andy Priest for joining me on this episode here at the back of the range. Don't forget, EliteAmateurGolfSeries.org. The link is in the show notes of this episode, as well as links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Every single episode is available at TheBackOfTheRange.com. We'll see you next time here at The Back of the Range.